Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cold open question of the week, Phil Schneider. Yes. Did we just see the greatest AEW match of all time? Yes. I'm going to go ahead and call it. I. It's something I was thinking about. I watched the match twice last night because I wrote it up. Uh, so once live and then once while writing it up. Uh, and I think I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Well, wait, I think well, that was a the... That was the pinnacle of this promotion that's been putting on just absolute killer matches from the moment it started. But I'm going to go ahead and call it. I think this is the best one. I'm glad that you agree with me about the tag team match. Uh, let's start the show. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. This is Roast Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. Husky, Steve Kazee. This is Trey Kirby. This is your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hi, this is Lillian Garcia. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to the And you're listening to You're listening to You are listening to And you're listening to You are listening to The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to The Masked Man Show with Kaz. Kaz is actually in traffic, but Phil Schneider's here, our intrepid match ranker, raider, uh, best match accumulator uh producer brian's here too how you doing brian i'm good man we're all coming off uh AEW revolution which was just a killer show man it is i saw somebody say on with trevor dame somebody said online that this was just like the um it was like a, a corollary to forbidden door where it's like you there were a lot of complaints about the builds but then the match the, the card itself was just like so 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 over the top wildly good that that it's there's like an inverse relationship between in aw between pay-per-view builds and like pay-per-view quality or something but um I, I, I yeah this was better than forbidden door i mean the main events on this the main of the big two main events in the show so del- over delivered oh for I mean, sure under, uh, friend door had like some really great undercard matches remember how bad that four-way was oh well, yeah was terrible. Okay. <laughs> i was about to say i'm going to stop making any sort of comparisons and saying anything even remotely negative because this show was just one of the greatest pay-per-views i can remember seeing um yeah i mean even the little things you know 
you open the night more or less with a guy getting a concerto and being buried. Uh, and somehow they booked everything in such a way that that didn't over didn't even a little bit overshadow the barbed wire death match that followed. And then even that did not overshadow in terms of grueling violence, the main event. I mean, it was really, really well done. Um, I'm going to run through everything in order, but we got to talk about the main event first because Daniel, Brian Danielson versus uh, MJF um, was an Ironman match. And just, I mean, I think the best AEW match ever, which is, saying a lot even given its short lifespan and i mean i can't i'm not prepared here to talk about the, the greatest iron man matches of all time but man that was man, really that, that oh, might, i think it was clearly the best iron man match of all time okay I think good AEW, i'm glad you're here to say that <laughs> i mean because aw as a promotion has had better matches than the iron man matches that preceded this mm-hmm. i think right like i, th- I think the best iron man match of all time is a less controversial claim than best AEW match of all time. Cause I, I mean, what would be your previous best Iron Man match of all time? Rick, Rick, uh, Rick Rude, Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're all in a different stratosphere, right? There is the Brett Sean one that a lot of people hate on. That was actually really good. And, the, and, um, and there was rock Helmsley, which was, uh, obviously, I mean, I booked about booked pretty beautifully, but did not have the in-ring acumen, uh, that this one had. Um, cause this one was like, it was booked. Like it was like, like two different guys. If there were two different guys in the ring, this might've been overbooked, you know, people might've called it overbooked, but the graps, I mean, the, the, the wrestling skill that was on display in the intermediate times was just off the charts. Good as well. It's like, when you, this is a terrible comparison, but it's like, when you look at like a like a like a football tight end who's like going in the Hall of Fame, and you say he would have been in the Hall of Fame if all he ever did was block, or he would have been in the Hall of Fame if all he ever did was catch. But what made him great is that he did both things. This match might have been the greatest AEW match of all time if it were if it were just the booking or just the wrestling, but it had both. Like it was it was just so extraordinary. Yeah, and I so I this is going to be my hot tech. I think people are going to give flowers to Brian Danielson and give them all of them, give them the whole flower shop. Right. But I think this was MJF's match. I think he is the lead is the first line of the, of the obituary of this match or whatever you want to say. His performance was the performance of this match. Brian Mm -hmm. Danielson was a supporting actor. I mean, the best supporting actor, the best dance partner, you could possibly have in a oh, wrestling sure. match. But sure. I think that this was MJF's masterpiece. And, you know, he's a guy I didn't, it took me a while to get fully on board with, and I couldn't be more on board now. I thought he was just amazing at this, incredible. And, uh, you know, I wrote, I wrote, I don't know, 1,700 words on this match at 2, 1.30 in the morning last mm-hmm. night, you know, whatever it was, or 1,500 words, I don't know, it's pretty long. Uh, and my thought about it was this, you know, the emotional journey he took in this match. I don't really remember that kind of emotional journey, like character development in the midst of a wrestling match before. Mm. You know, the fact where, you know, like, you see, when you see, like, I mean, 
Terry Funk was Terry Funk at the beginning of a match he was in and Terry Funk in the middle and Terry Funk in the end, right? He, you know, Ric Flair was stayed Ric Flair during at the, or, or, like your greatest wrestlers of all time remained themselves yeah. through a match. You don't really see character development in a professional wrestling match. Maybe you do over the course of six months in an angle, but not usually in a match. And usually if somebody tries, it's bad. Like, you know, like, the, you know, the attempts to do emotional growth in a wrestling match is usually just awful. Yeah. Uh, but MJF, you know, he had this journey where he started out as somebody out of his depth and spiraling and, you know, uh, full of self-doubt and self-loathing. And through the course of this match, you could see him you belong. Right, mm-hmm. go from a guy who didn't belong to somebody who belonged in an hour-long Iron Man match with Brian Danielson who was going to fight through it. And he had this almost heroic finish to the match where it's like he fought his way and did not give up and was able to fight through this submission and make it to the end and then win justifiably. Mm-hmm. Rules well- are... He should have won. He, it was a draw. He should have kept the title. Yeah. Kind of got screwed and then had to revert back to all of the cheap shit that he had sort of put behind him. Yes. In the middle of the match at the end. Like he, he had this hero's journey almost. And then the fall of that hero's journey in the last like six minutes of overtime where he ends up having to do every dirty, sneaky, sleazy trick he had in his bag to pull out a win after kind of not needing to do that. To yes. win the first time, at the separate from how great of wrestler he was last night and is in general, separate from even the promos, that what, what the core of of MJF in so many ways are the fan photos you see when he is just like taking the time out of his day to pose next to a kid, but he flips off the camera, right? We, we don't and and that and that that is sort of what we saw last night, right? It was there there was there there was just an incomparable performance. I mean, his dance partner, like you said, Danielson, you know, obviously was there too, but it's hard to imagine anybody else in AEW or the world having the performance that in the ring that MJF had last night. The list is incredibly small. And like you said, he, he, the story in the match was he kept up. He was, he, he excelled. He became the wrestler. He became uh, an in-ring icon over the span of the match, but then at the end he flipped us the bird. Right? It was still the old MJF that figured that that pulled out the win in the end because that is, it's not even a last resort. That's who he is. You could see it on the smile on his face, you know. And he was like, "Not only do I have what you have, I have what I have too." Um, and right. I, I just thought I, it was incredible. I, I just thought it was incredible. The the spot where he, uh, sort of he's taking this horrific beating, right? Taking this absolute thumping and then decides if I'm going to survive this, I'm going to have to do something I can't do. And he puts Danielson on the table and, you know, he's so many table spots in professional wrestling, right? It's one of the most overdone things. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got to go to the table at every big match, but he puts him on there and the announcer is going, this isn't, this isn't something he has in him. And he climbs to the top and he removes that, the pad over the bolt because he's got his footing. He's worried about his footing. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of says, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do this because what else am I going to do? Die in this yeah. ring 
So I'm going to die here. And, and if I, and I, you know, like I'm just going to go for it and in, and either I crash and burn and, and, or I fly or, or I succeed. I just, I don't know, maybe one of the greatest table spots in professional wrestling history, just for the way he said that. I mean, it looked great. God, he just, obliterated Brian Danielson Sternum with that elbow, but just everything that built up to it and what it meant in the course of the match. Yeah. Yeah, there were there were a lot of spots that looked like they would be like career enders, <laughs> you know. I mean, that like that they could have been much more much more dramatic in real life terms than they were. But that's sort of you know that's great wrestling. You know, they made us believe, and I think that you can say what you will about the build to this match, and 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 I was on the record as were many many others saying Danielson needed the win needed to win only because the build wasn't. Well, I thought the build for this match was better than some of the other builds that they pulled off. But I think by the end, it sort of it sort of started tailing off, right? By the, but as we got closer and closer to last night, it just felt like it was losing steam. And I thought that they needed a big move to recover. They pulled it off in the match. I mean, that's what I didn't. That's what I failed to predict. And um, I think this and and the you know. Well, we can talk about more about those builds when we get to Hangman Mox because I think that there's some interesting, uh, there's an interesting look at it. But I do think that there is a sort of, it it is pretty incredible how they're able to tell us how AEW can tell a story in a match that degree. And these wrestlers, I think, should get all the credit. But it's it, it was, it was just a triumph, man. It was a triumph. I mean, we can go through it spot by spot, but gift by gift. Um, I don't even know what my favorite. What was your favorite spot in the match, or moment in the match? probably that table spot but a lot of the grappling i really i mean i'm like that's i'm a huge mark for that kind of stuff and just the back and forth like submissions and things like that and mjf in the final you know overtime locking all three of danielson's limbs Mm -hmm. they're both like covered in blood and then then uh um somehow danielson getting his toe on the on the top rope anyway on the rope anyway was really great yeah, um, a lot of really. I mean, that pile that pile driver to the table was the was really sick looking. I loved how it like how it looked way worse because the table was already kind of broken. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There, I mean, dude, there was just there was there were so many moments. The pile driver under the table. I was just thinking about uh, MJF constantly the pile driver off the top, like going back to like the hurt knee. I mean, I know this happens a lot, but that was in pro wrestling. But setting up the knee injury, I thought was really incredible. Everything just everything. looks yeah, the so Miss Cabrada in a way that that was also something he shouldn't be doing. But in that point of the match, it felt a little like he was spiraling, mm-hmm. right? Like he was just kind of out a little out of control and doing something, you know, you know, screaming at Meltzer and throwing the tequila at the kid and, you know, like, you know, kind of wild it out. And then th- that felt like part of that almost like, oh, yeah, you know, you're saying I'm not a wrestler. Watch this watch this you know a side moonsault do yeah. this too yeah. and then you know, like it backfire got him because not that he can't do it but probably shouldn't have and it didn't feel like a it felt like you know like a we're a you know basketball player throwing up some turnaround fade away three-pointer on 18 seconds left of the clock like come on man just get a get a smart shot at the point of this point of the game, Jordan Poole. We didn't need that shot. And that that's yeah. what that almost yeah. kind of felt like. And I liked how it's kind of set up the knee injury. Oh my God. It's so great. Um, I love that. I mean, Danielson's like half crab 
looked more vicious than just about any other wrestling move in the world. And it was the the way that they, they, like you said, the grappling throughout the match, everything was so snug. The little things just really, that's what, I mean, I feel like that's going to be most of my memory. Well, that and I guess the big things too. So the whole thing. Um, it's uh, this match. Well, Danielson's yeah. one of the great little things wrestlers of all time, right? Yeah. Like where you watch a Danielson match, you're like, oh man, there's seven nuances in this I that he thought of. You know, there's, I mean, like the, the, uh, the spot where he, he spider jerk, spider suplexes the superplex near the end of the match. Oh, yeah. Because oh, he yeah. does, can't take the bump. So he's going to lock his legs. Uh, cause he's, he's beat too beaten to take the bump. So he's going to do this a different way. I mean, that's really smart wrestling in the way that I don't think most people think about stuff like that. Let's, we get, let's, we're going to move on. We'll come back around to this one at the end, I'm sure. But let's talk just really briefly about Danielson. It, you know, it's a lot of times in a match like this, there'll be a storyline, either kayfabe or shoot, where we say, well, he gave it his all. He did everything that he could. He couldn't pull out the win. Normally it's, you know, against a more established champ than MJF. Um, but in, 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 the, in real world talk, if Danielson didn't win, do do you think we've seen the end of Danielson, given that Danielson didn't win, do you think we've seen the end of Danielson as a main eventer, at least for the time being? Maybe for the time being, but he feels like a guy who's established enough that you can figure out. Well, I think he's, you can put him there at any point in time, but I think that I'm just thinking more of the sort of meta narrative of him sort of winding down his career him sort of being vocally saying he's on his last contract and that he wants to help put people over or whatever. I, if that's all true and who knows if it is, do you think that I kind of feel like this is the most, this is, this is the last time that I'll actually say, like talk myself into Danielson winning, whether or not they need him to win. I feel like this is the last time because I, this was, Maybe not the best moment, but I feel like now I've fully bought into the fact that he's just in, he's in like retirement tour mode. In hindsight, he probably should have won the Moxley match and you run the same storyline with MJF with yeah. Regal turning yeah. on him rather than Moxley. But that was what we talked about on the way out. Daniel, we, we all just, you know, kind of came to this conclusion that Danielson didn't want the belt. You know, he didn't want to, he, he would rather be doing other stuff. And so I... I mean, listen, if this is I mean, the last yeah, major... Yeah, maybe if he has the belt, you don't have the Rush match, and you don't have the Bandito match, and you don't have the Kashta match, and, you know, okay. Yeah. Those things yeah. were amazing. I'm glad yeah, that, well, them. that's it. I think that... I don't think... That, I think that Brian Danielson will continue to be my favorite wrestler. I think that Danielson's... I mean, I think Danielson's, you know, firmly... Firmly put himself on Mount Rushmore. If not, they've already... You know, he sat for the mold, and they've started... You know, they bought the chisels and the hammers and stuff. I mean, this... He's... He is... He's there, um, and he will continue to be my favorite. What a, pro, one of one of, if not the most, you know, number one reason for me to watch AEW week in and week out for the rest of his career. But um, in terms of just challenging for a title, I don't know. I mean, maybe he'll, have, maybe they'll, maybe that'll be the storyline. Maybe he'll say like, I got one more in me. You know, maybe they'll do it in AEW. Maybe they'll do it in Ring of Honor. Hell, who knows? We haven't even talked about Ring of Honor show, but, um, but yeah, and they and they. You know that the, there was very a clear pattern in the booking of this uh, show where they were putting over everybody the new the new generation <clears throat> in every match, right? So, yeah. yeah. Th- maybe this uh, and and they kind of did that last pay per view too. I mean, this is what they've been doing. It's like, all right, these these guys, you know, 
Ricky Starks and Wardlow and, and Jamie Hayter and, and MJF and Jungle Boy, that they're all going over. This is we're establishing these guys as the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's too many to all go over at once. I mean, that's a different question, but it was definitely on purpose. And so maybe this is an idea of Danielson sort of moves into more of a secondary role. Yeah, I think that's totally feasible. Well, let's talk about those other matches. Great segue there, Phil. I'm glad you're here to do that. Um, let's we'll start at the beginning of the show. Um, Ricky Starks won versus Chris Jericho convincingly. Um, you, if, if you want, I'll, I'll let you complain about what Sammy Guevara was doing trying to come to the ring and when that was clearly outlawed and the referees letting that go. But um, bell to bell, this was really good. And I think I think that it doesn't... I mean, I think everybody's takeaway, I think the important takeaway is Chris Jericho put over Ricky Starks. Like, period. End of story. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate for Jericho that that's become a little bit of the rap on him. That he, you know, always has to get his win back or always has to, everything has to always be a little schmozzy or whatever to protect him. Um, but this was the beginning. This was the clarion call. This was the this was the, the moment that it was the beginning of the night. And this was the moment where you look back and you say, oh, we are like, this is a this is going to be a concerted effort to put over the young guys, put over the guys who are sort of like AEW products. Um, what did you think about that match? I thought it was pretty good. I didn't, it didn't blow me away. I thought it was fine. I'm going to go ahead and reserve my uh, my uh, compliments to Jericho until Wednesday night, and I don't hear him mention Ricky Stark's name, and I don't hear Ricky Stark's mention his name because <laughs> that's the thing about Jericho. It's a lot of times the feuds he, go on forever. You know, go on forever. Yeah, it's like oh, it's over. He won congratulations it's like oh it's not over now they're gonna run a ladder match or something like that and oh maybe that's the one where jerry so i just want i agree with you if this is the last we hear of this feud then good successful jericho put him i don't know if it really did a ton for ricky starks honestly i i i thought this the the build of this was kind of i don't know i i I was good i thought it was a successful match i still like jericho in the ring i i I'm not sure it'll be interesting. You know, AEW sometimes when they close chapters, they don't always have the next one written for the guy. And I hope that they've got something lined up for Ricky Starks. Yeah, it's he doesn't a good point. just kind of fade into the background for, you know, for a couple of months. And all of a sudden it's Ricky Starks uh, and uh, pretty Peter Avalon on dark for six weeks or something like that. Um so we'll see. I, it's a it's a good step. I'm waiting for the next step to see how I evaluate it overall. It's a match. It was good. I, you know, I, I, listen, you're right. I, you know, I, I guess I'm thinking uh, Jericho gave an interview, um, I think, in th- this week leading up to this, where he said he promised he would never get the win back on action and ready. That was like a, 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 a solemn pledge. And so maybe this is, you know, Jericho, if, if Jericho has anything less left to prove, it's that he can be what Brian Danielson is is now. That he he can he can be comfortable in that phase of his career as well. Uh, I mean, listen, Danielson will continue to get wins, and I think Jericho, especially for the character that he's created for himself in this sort of last act, it's important that he gets his wins because he gets better. Like when he wins, it gets a sort of 
heat that doesn't really exist elsewhere in AEW. I mean, I so, so I'm not saying this guy should just be lying down for young guys left and right, but it is, it, you know, when we look back on this phase, um, I think that hopefully it'll be more like last night and less like, well, what your fantasy, what your uh, nightmare booking for Wednesday night, but regardless. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Kaz is here, I believe, right? Yes, I'm here. I was so sorry. Crazy Monday morning, if you could imagine. But man, what a show last night. We just, we, we, we already talked about the main event. We're going to come back around to it at the end. We're just like clicking through. We just, we just talked the first match. We're just going to keep clicking through the card. Um, Second was <clears throat> Jungle Boy and Christian in the the final burial match, right? Not a coffin match, not a buried alive match. The final burial, which if Ricky Starks and Jungle Boy Jack Perry, by the way, quote unquote Jungle Boy, separate Jack Perry is his official graphic name. If, if those two guys going over didn't fully convey or didn't fully project that this was a night for the for the youngsters, um, calling the match the final burial, I think did a pretty good job of making sure that we knew that this long, long, long running feud was actually over. They should really just call more matches that like, I swear this is the last one showdown. (laughs) Um, uh, It was a good match. It did what it needed to do. Um, I think that of all of the people that we're going to be talking about tonight, of all the future star potential people, jungle Jack Perry is, is the biggest question mark, you know, and just in terms of where he can get, and um, I, I'm, I am very, I mean, I'm going to be along for the ride because I'm very intrigued. Uh, what did you think about his performance, Kaz? And what do you think that, where, where do you think that we're heading next for Jungle Boy? Um, I always thought Jungle Boy was, uh, had the biggest, and this is going to sound crazy, I guess like heartthrob potential in, in AEW. Oh, yeah. Which I guess is like sort of, uh, you know, uh, underutilized uh, sort of position that, to be in a pro wrestling company, right? So um, that being said, I don't think he could really like fully become who I think he could become without finally being out of this feud with Christian, which seems <laughs> no. like it's went on for what, a year now? Eight, nine months almost? Mm-hmm. It felt like a year, but goddamn. Um, that being said, man, uh, he's, he's a phenomenal, he's a phenomenal talent. Like he's very unique as far as his look, his lineage, um, you know, having the indie cred as well. And, you know, it feels like every super like OG veteran like wants to work with him. They, it's like they all see the same sort of potential. 
uh, that that you know we see in him. So um, I mean, the match itself was cool. I, I thought the ending was. I thought that the the way the coffin sort of just dropped like a like um some old school SmackDown versus Raw 2006 <laughs> video games on the, on the in the casket matches or whatever looked really cool. But um, I thought it was dope, man. And that being said. Jungle Hook is is something that I'm still pretty interested in and seeing how far they can take that together um, without necessarily pigeonholing him back into a tag team. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like those two have such similar sort of trajectories in AEW that I'm really interested in is seeing if that's the next sort of step that they take after this Christian thing has finally been been over and done with. Yeah, I be- mean, blowjob babyface tag teams sort of a long, storied glorious history in professional wrestling, right? And they don't really have that many of them anymore. And there's the idea of these two very, very handsome young men uh, being like, a, you know, a, a tag team that sort of does the Rock and Roll Express fabulous ones thing. I mean, you know, I, I, I dig it. I think it's good use of those guys, especially because it'll give Hook some ring time as part of a tag team. That's a good way to help somebody develop who isn't, you know, doesn't have a, hasn't almost, been, had that many wrestling matches. Yeah, I almost feel like Hook's offense is like specifically uh, 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 geared toward being a tag team wrestler, right? Like he comes in and his, his his moves are so impactful and quick and he doesn't sell as much. So I think all the stuff that Hook already does well is gonna is, is accentuated when he's in a tag team. But uh, you said it, right? Like I just want to see more ring work with those two and just kind of seeing how they, how they evolve. And, you know, you said the Rock and Roll Express, but... I was thinking like the rockers low key, like, you know, I was thinking almost like Marty and Sean where they just kind of, you know, I guess a 2023 version of that where, you know, they're not necessarily guys you rip off a, a team beat to, to, you know, not to terribly age myself, but like, I guess the rockers were team beat. <laughs> Jungle well, Hook is more uh, don't let the Instagram don't, don't, <laughs> don't let the don't let the mullets confuse you. The Rock and Roll Express were just amazingly, but they were they were heartthrobs too. Like they, <laughs> um, the heartthrob tag team, man. Like we should we should do like a a, a, a caveman sort of like evolution chart. It's like the heartthrob the tag heartthrobs? team. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, so going from like Rock and Roll Express to like the Rockers to like the Hardy Boys. To, uh, I guess Jungle Hook, right? Like, I guess that's their that's their trajectory the, if they keep that going. <laughs> yeah, then and just a little aside for the failed one this came up on there, Twitter I actually yesterday that the Harris brothers were initially booked as a baby blowjob baby face bag team with pink trucks and long blonde hair. If you want to talk about the the really. The, Wait, yes, wait, that, wait, if you go on my wait. Twitter, because I actually was going back and forth with Nick Bond about this like two days ago. There's a picture of them. I was able to find a picture of them with like long blonde mullets and pink trunks mm. uh, as like, ooh, the, the handsome God, young Harris brothers. <laughs> Who is the original so, they, they look a lot more successful at, <laughs> at, uh, at, at being handsome young baby faces than the Harris brothers or, or all the failed versions. Uh I mean, once the Rock and Roll Express got successful, there was a Rock and Roll Express in every promotion with large variances in talent and success of of that gimmick. I mean, Memphis always had one. It was like once the Rock and Roll Express left, it's like, all right, who, who, what two decent looking guys are going to do this gimmick now? We're just going to keep bringing them out and keep putting them together. 
You got to keep filling up the seats, you know. Who who was the original heartthrob tag team? I feel like there should be. I mean, was it like? Is it? Are we just going to go the back to like? Express or well, I mean, the fabulous ones were before the Rock and Roll Express. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, wait. Do, do the Freebirds count as one? Like because of the hair and stuff? That's about the Freebirds. <laughs> I, I don't think so. They were heels mostly. Okay. I don't okay. know. I mean, I don't think they it's no probably somebody it, though, from like, the '60s okay. that even predates my knowledge, right? But do we count? Are we going to count like, like, oh, like man, a, the girls love Dr. Jerry Graham or something like that? That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Is this like a, is this, a, is it like the, like some, the Graham brothers, the Fargo brothers or the, uh, <laughs> I mean, is it, there's when they started bleaching their hair to try to look like shoot brothers, well, they, they, the, the bleach obviously preceded that. But, uh, you know, is that, is that a heartthrob tag team? The Valiants? Well, there's a difference between I'm bleaching my hair to be a heat like Flair or Buddy Rogers or Gorgeous George. Yeah. Than kind of the Rock and Roll Express, who were really, and the Fabs, who were really put together by Jerry Jarrett, RIP, mm-hmm. to try to draw teen girls. Yeah. Right. That was the, the goal. It was like, we got to put these, you know, th- this is going to be our version of like, you know, I don't know who would, who would have been the teen heartthrob of 1983. Like, sorry. Like, like Kirk Cameron? Is yeah, that too Kirk early? Cam- <laughs> Maybe too early. I don't know. This is hilarious, by the way. This is all right. This well, is we exactly got more to t- We got we have a long pay per view to get through here. Four, We're gonna end up going dudes, longer than four dudes talking about good looking <laughs> tag teams. Four dudes. Who is the who is that? Who is the <laughs> handsomest young man like, of nineteen eighty four? Not really that handsome. He doesn't the real. <laughs> Listen, it's a Jungle Boy match. What are we gonna talk about? Uh, you, can't, you can't avoid the handsome Jungle Boy man. What are you doing? So what are we doing you, here? Very if you go through, I mean, obviously Chris Jericho was an AEW original or whatever. But if you look at, if if you're sort of scoring everything based on the AEW versus WWE import side of the whole thing, or people that were like W, you can put Jericho in the WWE camp. The one real outlier it seemed like to the pattern last night was that the elite lost the trios titles to the house of black. Um, uh, you know, a, a lot of people are trying to read into that as, you know, more evidence that the, the elites contracts are up and the future in AEW is uncertain. I think, um, I think in general, Although we, Brody King would count as a, as a, as like a, he's listen, not a WWE listen, guy. I'm just trying to make, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to make a really uh, like forced point here, but, th- but it did seem right, like, well, I mean, in some ways they're the newer act, right? Like yeah, elite, it's true. In, in some way, if that's the idea that you're bringing, putting over newer acts, mm-hmm. then how's a black of, well, even said, though, you know, I said this last week that there's different categories. And one of the categories is former WWE wrestlers that were just such abject failures in WWE that like reclaiming them and giving them a career is its own sort of category. Ruby Soho, who had a big moment that we're about to talk about, fits into that category as well. Um, But that trios match was, I think, on any other card, any other night would have been the match of the night. I mean, you can make a case that it was a match tonight if that's your cup of tea last night. It was just an incredible, incredible trios match. It was nice to see the elite in there with some dudes with some size. It was I'm glad that they gave I'm glad that they gave um uh Murphy and Omega their little Spider-Man pointing at each other moment. But I'm more importantly, I'm glad that that Brody King and uh and and Malachi Black just got to go out there and just like mutilate some folks. Um, Brody I, King looked incredible I, in that match. Yeah. I mean, there were moments where I was like, I kind of thought they were writing him out, you know, because he's, I was just like, he's got to be exhausted, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. whatever. There were a couple of times where I thought that we were done and he would just kept going and going and going. And I know it's not, I know it's silly, 
but like their finisher is so good. It's like the only version of a I'm going to like hand a dude to my partner for a one man move that actually makes it look like it's more impactful because it's two people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. It was it, it it's. It, it, I loved that match, and I'm so excited about uh, House of Black run. What what was your take, Phil? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I that, that's not you know when you said if that's your cup of tea, you could that, that's not my cup of tea, right? Like the, the, the I'm not I'm usually always going to be a low voter on those kind of elite go 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 six man tags. Mm-hmm. Not my type of wrestling. I think the fact that you had some guys who were real bruisers in it really added something to the match that it yeah. wasn't just six yeah. guys showing off their cardio, but you, some guys showed off their time in the weight room too. Yeah. So it kind of was a nice mix of things. And, and uh, you know, I really, I dug it. I mean, I, I thought the house of black looked really cool. I like, I'm happy that they seems to have toned down some of the Bray Wyattisms of it, which was some of the stuff I didn't love about that act. It just feels like these are some scary looking guys with tattoos and, and uh, creepy masks as opposed to guys that are going to do voodoo magic on you or whatever to- the fuck. Totally agree. Totally earlier. agree. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was good. I mean, I, boy, it, it felt like, it felt like if you said which one of these young guys who got a win uh, that isn't MJF, who obviously has the world title, is the guy you'd like to see with the world title? Mm-hmm. I'd almost say Brody King over even Starks or Jungle Boy or I mean I was just like that was this like man that guy as Vader oh you know what yes. I mean if you could imagine that guy as Vader for having like a eight month ten month run of him just tearing people's heads off yeah. until you build somebody to be the guy that takes him out I we mean always, it would be really always, cool and we're always in search of a of a kind of solo push that doesn't involve the split up of the existing group. I mean, you could easily see Malachi Black sort of just, you know, letting Brody get the spotlight, you know, and and going yeah, on Malachi, a run like that. Malachi Black's Harley Race in this, yeah. in my analogy, yeah. right? He's a guy who's going to hang out at the outside. I mean, he can still wrestle, but he's getting a little older and he's a, he's a little banged up too, right? I mean, isn't that the whole thing? He had to take some time off of his back. You know, he could be a guy who just hangs out in the with a spooky mask and spin kicks a guy on the outside if Brody mm-hmm. King throws it to him for a little while while Brody King holds the title. I mean, Britt Baker is being great, is doing a great job as well, Jamie Hayter's second. I was about to say, roles. I think he could do even better than that. Kaz, what, what did you think about the trios match? Uh, uh, that finish, I was just fucking mesmerized by it, right? Like, I was watching it and going, I think it was, uh, it, was it happened like literally halftime of the Knicks Celtics game, right? So I got to catch that like final seven minute sprint like un- uninterrupted and that fucking melter driver into that knee from buddy murphy mm-hmm. into that uh that finish with, with brody was just unbelievable um the crowd went absolutely insane and um i'm glad that you know uh it was i think we forget like how kind of t- touchy and testy it was for malachi black in the house of black not so long ago right like it almost seemed like a couple of months ago, just the showdown between Kenny Omega and Malachi Black or Kenny Omega and Buddy Murphy might not have happened. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad that like that 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 crowd like recognized the moment for each one of those standoffs or whatever. And uh, even though the their their trios, I guess, rivalry or matches might be done, I'd, I'd still love to see 
Kenny Omega and and Malachi Black in some sort of long form <laughs> sort of uh, uh, feud or something because their styles just are, are just so hard hitting and and sudden and swift that uh, you know it, it almost feels like you're watching like Mortal Kombat with all the knees and the kicks and the and the suddenness of all of their offense. So um, I thought this is going to be my favorite match of the night, and uh, if it wasn't for the main event, it would have been. But um, yeah, they they absolutely delivered, and uh, I'm 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 excited to kind of see where where the elite sort of go from here, right? Like uh, I I think they haven't really gotten to do a whole lot of storytelling outside of this best of seven series, and this House of Black feud kind of didn't necessarily go anywhere. They just kind of showed up, kicked their ass for two weeks, and took their titles, right? So uh, maybe this is kind of uh, uh, giving a, a, the elite a divergent path to sort of get back to those storytelling uh, sort of ways and not just going out there and just have, okay, just go out there and just have a banger match. We can do that all the live long day. But I think what makes the elite interesting, especially in the months since, you know, everything that's happened in the summer is them being able to tell, uh, you know, uh, some some really good stories. So now that the trios titles are off of them, I'd like to see where they kind of take it from here yeah, and, and what's next for them. I, I agree. I think that, you, I mean, you know, you could, uh, I've complained about them sort of treading water as of late. Many people have, um, you know, a lot of times in AEW, just instead of, imagining how they should fix it for next week you can kind of look ahead to say well what are they going to do after the next pay-per-view because we're you know generally on a straight line towards the next big show whether or not we know it um i think what happens next for them could be super interesting and i don't hopefully it will be away from the trios division for a while i think house of black you know taking on all comers is more interesting for them too um, and I, and I, I want to go back to what you were saying about the mortal combat thing i think that's what really made this match sing for me is that every Every matchup that this trio's match contained had a clash of styles that was super interesting, right? Um, again, with the, you know, Omega and Murphy, not exactly a clash of styles, more of a, you know, uh, too, uh, too close a similarity of styles in some ways. But it, but every matchup was just so just so cool to watch. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that... Uh, yeah, it was just it was just an incredibly cool match, incredible. man. Um, it's I mean, definitely going to be Malachi Black's gotten better in mm-hmm. AEW, and I I think my always issue with him going back to Tommy End uh, in the Indies was that the man the swing looked great and the contact did it. Like a lot of times those kicks was like holy hell that kick looked great until it landed and then it looked only okay. But yeah. man, he yeah. is kicking the living shit out of people now and it's just like i'm you know as, as somebody who grew up on shin Yahashi, i just love it it's just like oh man that guy that guy's that really really fancy acrobatic kick that was hit 60 percent in the wwe he is just throwing it to behead people mm-hmm. in aew so i wanted to give as a he's like a, a, another one of those guys that i was always a little lower on and i want to give him his his some credit because man i I really like watching him wrestle now, and I didn't always. I was always a huge fan. Is even in WWE and and in AEW, I like the, I you know I think with there are some wrestlers, Kauf, Bray Wyatt, that you can kind of see the limitation of the lore. You know, like there's a there there's definitely an outer limit. Um, and so and 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 Black certainly got into some of that space too at times, um, cutting you know nonsense promos and whatever else. But I think that you the point that you made, Phil, is dead on. They're, they're less spooky. They're less mystical. 
I mean, the reason why the spooky stuff works in the in in reality, not in kayfabe, is because it's scary. Because like you look at it and you're like, oh my god, why not? I mean, that should be the cave the kayfabe thing too. You know, I mean, I guess if somebody could like shoot fireballs for real, that would be scary. Mm. But like, there is just something implicitly scary about like, holy shit, look what these guys just put on to come out here, and I'm in like a turquoise you know, bathrobe, you know, like it's, they, they're intimidating. Um, I mean, Brody uh, King is terrifying, right? Like if you saw uh, Brody King, uh, if you bumped into Brody King in a bar and spilled his drink, how, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's gotta be on the top five list of guys you would least want to spill their drink at a, I think Brody King may be straight edge, but, uh, the, the well, least, like, <laughs> I was going to say, I bumped into a lot of Brody Kings in bars, but I'm not trying to bump into, like, if you knock over his ginger ale, uh, it's still, I think he'd still be, no, because the thing so is, he wouldn't, he wouldn't put, he, well, he might, but he might not clock you in the face and he might forget about you one second later, but you'd be thinking about him for the rest of the night, right? You'd be looking over, you'd be making sure that you were like positioned in such a way as to keep an eye on him. Uh, yeah. Send him a plate of appetizers. Like, we're mm-hmm. good. We're good. You sure? I'm sorry. He's like, oh, <laughs> what do you think his appetizer of choice is? He's definitely a, um, a, a a warm cheese and pretzel type. You can tell. Oh, uh, beer he, cheese. You know, beer cheese is definitely his shit. Like I can see that a mile away. You know what I mean? Like anything that uh, anything fried. Also, you know what I mean? Like I think he'd go to a good, go for a good fried zucchini. He's he's cut a lot of weight though. I mean, he's yeah, gonna be on yeah, fried zucchini. Like, I think he's yeah, like a protein keto guy. I think yeah. it's like yeah. if if you asked him what he was gonna order, he's just gonna order like a just a, a slab of beef. Just yeah. eat that. Can we, Brian? Can you make a note? We every time we do an interview from now on, I want to find out what everybody's appetizer is. They're what their nice. appetizer of choice. Should we ask now, <laughs> Kaz? What's your app? My app, my app of choice. I'm a, I'm a good spin. I'm a big spinach dip guy. Need a good spinach mm. dip. Also need a good. Uh, you know, if we're at a if we're at an Asian spot, like a a, a dumpling or one of them them wagons, them crab wagons. Ah. Uh, I'm I'm a pan fried dumpling guy at an Asian spot. Yeah, love a yeah. good egg roll. Hate a bad egg roll. That's the most the biggest variance. <laughs> Yo, and also then, like a sleeper sleeper appetizer. Anything on crispy rice. You put some crispy rice on something. You oh, can put yeah. a fucking Twinkie Ooh. on crispy rice, and I'm gonna eat that shit. It's delicious for some reason. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I'm listen. I spent <laughs> I spent ten years in Texas. I'm a chips and chips and uh, and salsa guy, but oh, I will yeah. eat. But but in general. I think that, you know, we're a bunch of people that get paid to talk about professional wrestling. Uh, we all have huge parts of our souls that have never grown up. I think we can all agree that if, you know, you if there was a restaurant that was only the appetizer section, we'd all be good. You know, you could you, you, you make do. Uh, all that stuff is... Uh, Tato skins are us or something. Just nah, <laughs> straight out. The appetizer sampler platter is never as good as you think it's going to be, but it gets yeah. me every time. You know, Tim it's Cook just is, like Tim Cook is leaving so much money on the table without having like an apps called the app store. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just mm. it's just apps. You just click it off your Apple iPhone and Apple pay everything. Are you kidding me? I kill uh, it. Uh, Brian, <laughs> delete this and then let's find a uh, find an angel investor. I'm just going to. Yeah, we just got to have this on these the food trucks running through New York City. Just called yeah. the app store. And then and you just like look them up on your app and you're like, they're coming down my block and you run outside and get your potato you, skins or your, once, like, your once, awesome blossom. Once Apple and Tim Cook are done with Uber Eats getting all and, and DoorDash getting all the free delivery money, they're going to say, all right, motherfuckers, we're dropping the apps. The app store. <laughs> Getting all you motherfuckers out of business. And, it's, and we're not even going to have it delivered to you. This is just going to fucking pop up out of your phone and 3D print that shit. 
You want to 3D print you some mozzarella sticks. That's the iPhone 20 coming. <laughs> God damn it. Well, I think we've done oh all we God, came here to do so today. Fat. I think <laughs> like a 3D print mozzarella sticks. That's such a bad idea. I would be I'd be dead in six months, guys. <laughs> oh man. God damn. Yes. We're off the rails today, buddy. Uh <laughs> the women's championship match. I mean, Jamie Hayter keeping the title. Uh, I mean, it was it was a better match than I was expecting. Um, I thought I really enjoyed it. I think keeping the belt on Hater was the right move. Although, as I was watching the match, I was like, you know, you can make a compelling case for either of the other people. Like, I won't, I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't have been mad at any particular ending. Now, the ending that we got was a little bit interesting because Ruby Soho was sort of walking this line between these uh, unofficial factions, or one I guess is more official than the other, um, coming into the match, then wrestled a full match, going at both members, but then after losing more or less valiantly decided in that moment um couldn't get it done on my own i guess i'm joining the you know the, the what what are we calling this the the aewo originals or the no no it's the what's the soraya group the lady world or the the plants and the l's on the the yeah the spray paint and the green i don't know so what how did you guys feel about the match and and feel about the uh the the turn at the end I, uh, it was kind of weird. I ain't gonna hold you. Like, <laughs> it was, uh, I guess, okay, so at the end, right, you see, uh, Ruby Soho sort of sitting there contemplating who do I go with, even though I just fought both of these people. And then, uh, dumps one of them out. Uh, I think, uh, dumps, uh, uh, Paige, uh, Soraya. Soraya, out. yeah. And goes, this is our house, bitch, and blah, 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 blah. And then two seconds later, turns around and, and, and starts beating the stuffing out of, uh, out of uh, you know, the AW Originals, Brit and Jamie. And it's just weird, man. Like, it's... Okay. It, the only way I, I, I see this, like, becoming, like, a storyline that's really fucking dope is if Jade Cargo is somehow involved eventually, right? Like, I, I, I feel like with these three now that now that now they don't have the numbers game right like the the Burt Baker and the Jamie Hader thing like and and the uh, and the last one uh, the third one I forgot her name I'm so sorry but they've always had the numbers game when it comes to this right and now they're sort of like the facto baby faces going up against I guess what people are are, are calling invaders to their company and the only thing that made it weird is that like I feel like the reason why it's been sort of weird to get behind it is because. Britt and Jamie never necessarily carry themselves as like we're 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 torchbearers of of the women's wrestling here, right? Like they were they were kind of assholes this entire time. So it's like, so why would I care if two women who came or three women now that came from another company like want uh want to be better than you? Like I, I just didn't. It doesn't really compute with me. But I think I say all that to say. I would I would love to get Jade Cargill involved in this if this is at all possible, right? Because if we're talking about originals and we're talking about you know uh, old uh, people that came from other companies or whatever, Jade is like probably their one of one sort of like homegrown talent that's sort of been like operating outside of the space of mm-hmm. the rest of the women's division, even though like she's arguably just as big or bigger star than all the women on the on the company. I think this is a great way to sort of like get her involved into like a main woman's storyline at this point, right? Like I, I kind of feel like, you know, they're gonna need they're gonna need some backup 
they're going to need somebody to kind of like, you know, eventually sort of even the odds and get people on their side. You know what I mean? And I almost think this is tailor-made for a, a Jade Cargill sort of either face turn or, or, or joining alongside Britt Baker or just throwing a sort of interesting sort of uh, variable into what constitutes as an AEW original and a, I, I guess, a newcomer or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Like, uh, outsiders, I, right? It's a, it, it's, it's a good point. I, I do really hope Jade gets involved because she's been in her little storyline silo for way too long. The other, I mean, one of the things that gets talked about a lot with Jade is that they, it looks like they were, they were cruising towards a Chris Statlander feud and then Statlander got injured or whatever. She's on the way back. And, and and it would be, it would seem pretty obvious that she be involved in originals versus outsiders feud too. So, I mean, I think the more that they can do to bring everything together and have everything matter for, you know, everything else in this case would be great. I would love to see Jade involved just from a purely. Well, you see a lot of chatter about a, a blood and guts match, mm-hmm. right? A women's blood and guts mm. match. So you need to get a couple of people on more people on each side to, to, to even that out, right? Are they figuring, find, are, are, is Thunder Rosa still? Are they are they figuring out what's going on with Thunder Rosa? Is she is she coming back? She's too, backstage she... doing something, but I don't okay. know. I don't I don't know exactly what it is. Um, uh, so, is there going to be an episode of their reality show that's going to be based around her reintegrating herself and in, in, in the backstage heat that she's had? Is I, that I, what I it is? It's a reality show reality bit. Show bit. I, I did I did hear something about that. I, I mean, maybe all of it's a reality show yes, bet. Yes. All the access show. Yeah. So it's the the show that they just promoted with uh, Britt Baker and Adam Cole uh, a few days ago. Apparently, they had cameras rolling when they were, uh, I guess, uh, figuring out that whole Thunder Rosa thing. And um, apparently, it got pretty damn real uh, from what I heard. So, oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess we'll see. Or it what, didn't, what, what and happens. all of this backstage AEW stuff was just reality show shit. Imagine, punch hurt. Imagine. <laughs> punch hurt. He couldn't wrestle anyway, so he just they, they just they just booked some shit for Abe to to get, hype up AEW All Access. Let me uh, Phil, put on my tinfoil hat. Phil, don't make me get Is FTR pretending they're leaving the company part of the All Access bit too, or do we just do air all these work? Is this going to be like the work shoot show? Because I mean, I guess I would get into that more than just a reality show. Um, I mean, uh, maybe, right? It felt like, it felt, I mean, there was definitely like some, uh, and the clips I saw, they had like uh, um, uh, um, Ruby Soho go and Ty Mello talk about how, you know, like unprofessional that shot was. I don't know. It feels like, it feels like uh, maybe this is all just, uh, maybe it's all just the second level of kayfabe where it's like you have, is stuff a work in the wrestling world? No. Is it a work for reality television? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm all about that then. That's great. That's some real meta shit, right? Like wrestling was like the first reality show and now they're going to kayfabe the kayfabers with the reality show that's not based on reality, but it kind of is at the same time. Well, those reality shows are based. All those reality shows but are. What's reality anyway, right? Like we're all a little. Everybody kind of turns up the volume a little bit once the cameras are on. So I get it. Well, the eighties and nineties were like that, right? Whereas, like all of these wrestlers would have like side gigs showing up on Jerry Springer. Oh right? yeah, where it'd be like you know, like where all of a sudden it's like my 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 baby daddy ran out on me, and the baby daddy that ran out on you was Jamie Dundee. 
<laughs> you know what? <laughs> like, there's, there is definitely, you can definitely find like five or six Jamie Dundee on Springer's playing different roles every couple of weeks. For a while, he was booking Springer. So this is like, there's some history of that. Like he was, he was booking Springer. I think there was an idea that the reason that he got the job, it's one of my favorite wrestling stories, was that somebody at the Springer show was like, we need to get like 15 midgets. And then somebody was like, lived in Memphis. It was like, oh, well, Jamie Dundee can get you 15 midgets. And like, that's how Jamie Dundee got the gig. That's unbelievable. Like, I, I had no idea. On short notice. Wow. Um, I, I got to learn more about this. This is fantastic information. Um, Jamie Dundee's shoot interview is the all-time greatest wrestling shoot interview. If you guys ever just, I'm not a big shoot interview guys, but you guys are really good. I just want to put on a shoot interview when I'm driving somewhere. The Jamie Dundee one, absolutely incredible. Just because really? he's a lunatic and yeah. all of his stories are insane. And, you know, uh, and uh, if you're just looking for that's my, my recommendation of the day is go find the Jamie Dundee shoot interview. You're just you're like oh, done, just done, cackling hysterically. That's about what Billy that is. Jer- what I will do next. That is absolutely unbelievable. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Trucking right along here. Uh, the next match was the um, uh, Hangman Page John Moxley match. I think well positioned on the card. What a just. Uh, mm. uh, I mean, mm. the violence should not be surprising. No element, no element of it should, and yet they managed to surprise me a few times in this match. Um, I, 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 I was saying to Phil before we came on, and I'll just get right into it. This might be in a vacuum the best storyline in professional wrestling right now. And the, you know, if this is the ending that we just got, it was beautifully told. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the bloodline storyline is, is probably the top one, but, but I mean, this is a really epic story, man. I mean, this, they've done really good character work and whatever. I, I think my only complaint about it, and I think the reason why it doesn't, I don't think of it in the same terms is that it's so siloed off that it feels like it's not, a piece of everything else, right? I mean, you can say these two guys just have it in for each other to such a degree that they don't care about anything else. You can make the argument or whatever, but it doesn't feel like it matters as much to the future of the company. I mean, it's crazy because I'm sure now Hangman's going to get pushed to the top of the card on the back of this or whatever, or he'll take four months off and then get pushed. I don't really know how this is going to work, but um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you, do you think that this, do you think that this was as good and compelling as it, had every right to be. I thought it was a great match. I don't know if it was the right match. 
in the sense that I really loved their previous matches that were really about two tough guys trying to beat each other into unconsciousness. And they kind of did that already, so maybe you have to do something different for this. Mm -hmm. But this was a little bit more of a stunt show, right? And I don't know if a stunt show necessarily fit this feud as well as the matches where they were just trying to obliterate each other with clotheslines. Sure. So, so that that was my. I mean, I it was great. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a vampire. Uh, Way of the Blade, uh, 100 Greatest Bloody Matches in Wrestling History, available at Amazon.com. But uh, you know, I did think a little. This had a little more. I gotta go find the thing under the ring. Than I would have. Than than I think their previous matches had that really were two guys, ju- like two bulls, just slamming into each other until somebody didn't get up again. Mm-hmm. So but, I, 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 it was great. I liked it. There was some, some real sick, sick, sicko stuff in there that appeals to the sicko part of me. But that was my one issue with it. Yeah, and, I mean, I thought. What, what do you think, Kaz? Uh, I just got to say, uh, off rip, mission accomplished, right? Like I said last week, and I said in the, in the weeks leading up to this match, one of the biggest things AEW has had to do in the post CM Punk world was rebuild Adam Page. Like mm-hmm. I think that was like the biggest sort of travesty of, of what happened with the brawl out, right? Like the person who really ate shit the most outside of probably Punk was Adam Page, and then on top of that, you know, he uh, after he kind of looked like a chump after that whole thing. Um, he gets an unfortunate injury due to John Moxley, and you know, uh, granted, it was an accident. They've done it and 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 took it and and made it work for them, you know. And um, like I said before, the ending of this feud, the best thing that you can do for Adam Page to rebuild him as a legitimate world title main event top guy was let him go with the toughest, baddest dude that you got in John Moxley. Yeah. And he he outlasted him. He was more vicious. He hung him. He fucking he fucking yeah. he he lynched him. He found he, that next level, I guess. Yeah, that's what you want to call like, it. I've never I, I, it was it was yeah. brutal. People got stabbed. People got their skin ripped off. There was just gushing, gushing buckets of blood. Um it lived up to Texas death and uh the best thing about it was Adam Page looks like a, a brand new person. He has a new layer of, of, of coat painted on him now. You know what I mean? I, like, he's I, the guy who fucking who, who beat the shit out of John Moxley twice. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I think well, that was the best thing they could have done. Listen, I hope that you're right. Because I think that the biggest, like, the missing thing for Page forever has been... Not the missing thing, but to me, the sort of, you know, the thing I was uh, always looking forward to is that you come I mean, you call him a punk, right? Coming out of the, 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 the brawl out stuff, right? And, and that's always kind of been part of his character, right? He's always been, I mean, the character has been lack of confidence, the sort of like recessive personality. And I don't think he needs to like do a 180, but I certainly am like, we can put the sort of lack of confidence to bed for a while, right? He just did the thing that nobody else could do. And he found another gear another level whatever i mean it's not his first texas death match and this is going to be his his hell in a cell i'm guessing moving forward you know i mean he's this this is going to be a big deal for him it won't be the last one we see him in um for sure but uh, i i love the match i love what it could potentially do for hangman and i and i hope that it i hope that it's only on to bigger and better things for him from here What, what do you think phil yeah no i think it was he it was the right decision to put him over uh 
and I, I would assume that he's next with MJF. On paper, it's not a match. I, I didn't love it the first time, so I'm interested to see whether what it looks like run back uh, mm-hmm. with different circumstances. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was what you needed to do to, to do it. And Moxley, you know, this was, you got to give him the same credit we're giving Jericho and Christian, man. He just laid it all out there and got, you know, his, his whole thing is that he's the toughest, meanest dog in the yard. And then he went ahead and, uh, proved it by being the meanest, toughest dog in the yard and taking out the meanest, toughest, uh, you know, by, and lose it, right? Like, I, that, that's, that's great. What a, what a good job by him. So if, I, I loved it. I thought if it was they great. do do uh, Hangman and JF, I mean, I was about to say that both of those guys are sort of like the absolutely elite of the elite, but also sort of need elite dance partners or whatever. So it's, it's, it is a weird matchup between them, but I think that's going too far. I think both of these guys have proved enough now, and, and I think it will be a challenge for them that they'll, be able to, you know, they'll, they'll be able to put on something really spectacular. Although they could put it, do it, make it a triple threat just to give them, you know, make it, make it the two of them and the third person is an alligator or something just to give it like yeah. a, just to give them some sort of direction and motivation in there to make it freaking awesome. But um, anyway, the alligator match is, de- is definitely on the, uh, uh, it's definitely going to happen at some point in time. Um, Wardlow over Samoa Joe, uh, it was a good match. I think, again, just sort of continued the the Knights uh, tradition of putting over the young guys, putting over the originals. I mean, Samoa Joe walking out with two belts is just an epic visual, but, you know, it's time to spread these belts around. We got plenty of them to go around in the AW. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with Wardlow from here. I mean, I think that that's the big issue with all of these young folks winning is that now we got to find something next for them all to do. Uh, Wardlow obviously has um, has powerhouse Hobbs on Wednesday, which is you know a quick turnaround, and a, a, that in and of itself is a booking conundrum. Um, but I enjoyed the match last night, and I think that you know on a card with such a, with a handful of just absolutely just myth- mythological confrontations, this one was fine. fine. Poor Joe, right? This is two in a row. He's got to follow like this absolute. Mm-hmm. You know, blood-soaked, insane war. Right? He was after the dog collar match in the ROH pay per view. Yeah, that's too. a good it's point. Like, but that's a that's a death spot for a, for a guy in a lot of ways. I thought it was okay. I don't know. Uh, Wardlow is the young guy being put over that I am least convinced about. Uh, and uh, I would just, if it was just me, it's just like Hobbs just beats him, and then you know, he you're more on the, Hobbs than on Wardlow. Put the rocket on him. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm. This was a fine match. You know what I mean. I, you know, I love a good hoss fight all the time. It was fine. Um, really looking forward to seeing uh, Wardlow and Hobbs though, and see where they go from there. I think they've been taking a lot of time with, you know, rebuilding Hobbs, the book of Hobbs. He's the face of the revolution this year, um, and I, I'm really interested to see where they go. Uh, you you said the theme was, you know, putting over the youth, but I think even more so than that. A lot of this theme was just like the ending of these very, very long, mm-hmm. long <laughs> feuds uh, for for the past several months and and almost a year in some cases. Love Joe. I'm ready to see Joe sort of pick up that mantle of Ring of Honor and 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 make that a must see television show now, um, along with Claudio and and everybody else that's over there. Um, 
Yeah, it's time. It was time. So uh, I'm real. It was a fine match. I, there's not much for me to really say about about it, except they did what needed to be done. And you know, you get a do you get a pay per view bonus for for being the dude watching from the skybox and paying attention <laughs> to what's going on in the match? Well, you think I, would, he, I would assume that's an appearance fee, right? Like, yeah. you gotta, you know what I mean? Like, they gotta Phil says yes. There. Yeah. That's it. Well, Powerhouse Hobbs is my new favorite wrestler because he figured out how to cash in without putting his body through the mutilation that everybody else on this card went through. Um, uh, Tag team match. We don't have to talk about the match itself. Although, you know, I mean, if you want to talk about how impressed you were with Danhausen, you can anyone can have the floor. Um, I think the important thing that we need to talk about is what happened after the match, which was uh, Renee Paquette got into the ring and just unnecessarily telegraphed what was about to happen after that, which was FTR's return. Um, FTR's back, despite Dax's protestations <laughs> about his unhappiness, or maybe because of it. Um, they're back in the title picture, reigniting their long-standing beef, or their long-lingering beef with the guns. Um, Kaz, thoughts on the tag match and what happened afterwards? Um, this was my first time really seeing Danhausen unleashed mm-hmm. on the AEW, which was a treat. You know what I mean? Um, I think he was him. I mean, obviously Orange Cassidy as well. He's kind of, he's kind of in that same vein of people that you don't expect much of, but when you get time and get to really see them go, you see exactly why they're like extremely special. And that was me for this match. Anybody who listens to this podcast for a while, you know, for months, I say I don't get it with Dan House. I, 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 I just wasn't the one of those guys. I just didn't get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, I was hella impressed with him last night, and he definitely showed me a lot. Um, so big ups to him. Uh, other than that, uh, it's cool to see FTR return. Um, we spoke about just sort of the dormancy of the tag team division, and mm-hmm. uh, you know why they took the titles off the acclaim despite them being probably the most popular act in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, if it's all to get F- FTR back and get the get them back into the tag title mix, um, pfft, great. Sounds good to me. Um, big fan of those guys. And uh, who knows? Does this? Does anybody know what their what their contract situation is? Does this mean that they've resigned? Or does this mean I mean, it's got to, right? You don't longer. do this yeah. if you don't have them yeah. under contract. For sure. Right? Like, I would assume I so. Would assume so. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that Jeff anytime- Jarrett was really great in that match. I want to give a shout out to, to, to Double J, who's a guy who's got a lot of experience working kind of a bullshit a mm-hmm. guy match in the middle of a you know like the, this goes the, every Memphis show had, had one of these things in him and so he was like he's like okay I know how to put all these uh, to conduct this particular uh, orchestra of goofs and I thought he was uh, he was awesome I don't um, know if it's because I can't the company how much I'm enjoying 2023 just oh, it's unbelievable also I don't know if it's just because there's so there's relatively fewer sat damn things in AEW than there are in WWE or whatever but every time he does a thing now I'm just totally enthralled like it especially coming off of his very uneven debut i just like I, I just love it when he's involved um and yeah i mean i i think that that ftr i think we could say it's safe to assume they've signed new contracts i think every time at this point if someone's grousing in aew we can assume i think that kenny omega going in the post-match press conference and saying that he had nothing left to prove is all the evidence we need that he signed a 10-year deal or whatever with <laughs> aew um yeah. I, I i think that we can sort of take those things as a given uh until you know proven otherwise i know you got to get out of here kaz do you want to throw in some notes on the on the uh, main event before you go yeah man uh 
New York couldn't lose last night, right? <laughs> two overtime <laughs> classics. <laughs> two overtime <laughs> classics <laughs> last <laughs> night between two uh, New York staples and the Knicks and MJF. Yeah. Um, you didn't think the young guy could go 50-plus minutes, and he I did. Hey, I, I, I said that to me twice. I said it twice last night, you know? Uh, it was it was a great, great match. I mean, Brian Danielson, I mean, hats off to him. We sing his praises on the show each and every single week. It seems like He's putting together, an, uh, for a guy who's already had an all-time career as an entering competitor, the resume that he's put in just this year alone, it could be, you know, just, his, that's his Hall of Fame mixtape right there, right? But I think MJF, um, and I said this on Twitter yesterday, I'll say it again on, on here, I think MJF's true superpower is his ability to under-promise and over-deliver, right? Like, everything about him is so boisterous that you forget all the other shit. Like, he's very much like... If you ever played on a basketball team or or or, or seen basketball teams with, with great players, they always have a guy who talks so much shit, right? Like, if you're, if you're a Golden State Warriors fan, that's Draymond Green, right? Mm-hmm. And if you think of the Golden State Warriors as one person... That's sort of like MJF, right? Like, Draymond Green doesn't talk so much shit that for a while, you kind of get lost in it and you're so focused on Draymond Green talking so much shit up until the ball gets tipped up. And then you're like, oh, shit, right. They also have Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Dante DiVincenzo, like Steve Kerr, five championships, like all this type of shit. And that's kind of where MJF is right now, right? Like, he talks so much shit that you get so lost in that up until it's a pay-per-view match and the bell rings and he takes the robe off and mm-hmm. you're like, it's so simple, but goddamn, like, as soon as he takes the robe off, first off, he looks fucking great. So, like, I don't know what the, what plan he's been on, but he looks like, he looks every bit the world champion a, a, a wrestling company should be. As a group of people who are professionals at watching guys uh, hang out in their <laughs> underwear, I feel like he, there's nobody, I feel like I could, like, draw from memory the physique of every single professional wrestler, <laughs> and MJF manages to surprise me every time. So yeah. it's, it's it, that's a skill somehow. Yeah, I mean, and, and he... He was he was amazing last night, man. He put on a masterclass performance. Um, he continues to raise the bar every single time. People like me or other people say, ah, I don't know, eh, I don't know, eh, I don't know. He always kind of ends up checking that box somehow. So I ain't got shit to say about MJF, man. He continues to be one of the true prodigies in professional wrestling. He's 26. He's 26 years old, guys. We were talking about this before you came on, Cass. He outshined Brian Danielson in a 60-minute Ironman match. Yeah. What the hell? Who does how, that? How is that possible? Who does that? <laughs> well, this is Dan- this is what and this is when I mean, we said best AEW match, best Ironman match. I mean, Danielson has wrestled his fair share. I mean, probably more Ironman matches than anybody else. Than anybody I mean, else. I don't know if there yeah. was a I actually don't think he's ever had an Ironman match. He's, well, he's had, had a lot of matches. he's had sorry, he's had a number matches. of 60-minute matches, not yeah. Ironman matches. He's had matches that went that went really long periods of time. Sorry, I was using that term too loosely. I'll just but this was that- this was the best this was the best long Danielson match too, and a lot and that because of his interplay with MJF. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's what makes him so good. It's not just the wrestling that brings you in; it's his ability to to carry a match character wise for sixty minutes that didn't feel like sixty minutes. It kind of flew by, and that's that's the biggest compliment you can get 
about MJF. He made a 60-minute Ironman match entertaining from bell to bell plus overtime. So mm-hmm. Those ROH matches, while, you know, spectacles for sure, always felt a little bit like him saying, look how long I can wrestle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what those were. I mean, the Austin Aries one that went 72 minutes, famously, the initial booking of that was a 60 minute draw in the first fall, a 60 minute draw in the second fall and a 55 minute third fall. They were going to go three hours. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those were and then he called an audible when he realized the crowd wasn't going to be there for him for three hours. Uh, And but, you know, a lot of those were like, okay, look, this is me in this promotion showing I'm going to do 60, like Flair did 60. And mm-hmm. this match didn't feel like that, right? This match was a, wasn't about how long they were going in a, as much as it was about what they were doing while they were there. So yeah, his best long match by a lot. Yeah, it was a hell of a match, man. I mean, there was, it, there was just, uh, I feel like my, my enthusiasm has waned over the, just because we've been doing this for an hour, but, th- but that's, I mean, it's just the best, just the best. Kaz, you got to get out of here. Do you want to say any final words on, on that match or the night overall? Great, great match. Great pay-per-view. Uh, say what you want about AEW week-to-week television. They have yet to not deliver on a big pay-per-view. Right. Whether it's newsworthy or matchworthy, they always keep you talking the day after. Mm-hmm. So shout out to them. Incredible match. Get your Wally Mania tickets. They're on sale right now. I got to go, guys. All right, man. Talk to you soon. I think that the point that he made is is right. Right. I mean, it's it's um, it's you could say what you will about week to week AEW. I do think it sort of validates the week to week. There is sort of a discrepancy between the amount of time between these big shows and the, and the length of the build of some of the, even the biggest matches, but it's hard to complain after a night like last night. I think the week to week thing is a little overblown too. I mean, it just feels like the week to week AEW shows get overanalyzed way more than week to week WWE shows. Uh-huh. Like you'll AW put on these incredible, an incredible show. They had like a, an all timer, like for three weeks ago, and they'll put on one that's not that great. And everybody's like, what's wrong with AW? They'll have shitty raws all the time. And nobody's like, what's going on with WWE? Right? Like you don't have that same sort of like a uh, uh, forensic fine tooth comb on every episode of SmackDown. That seems like you have on every episode of dynamite. Yeah. They had a couple of weeks that weren't as good, but usually those at least has some pretty good matches on them. And, go you know work okay i i think i think that i think it feels like people microscope the week to week more than they should it ended up at this so you have to consider that even if every show wasn't an absolute home run it still ended up at a home run yes right? exactly still- yeah i know i i completely agree um I think it was a fantastic show, a fantastic night. And I think that, that yeah, I mean, it, what are you going to say? We're all going to go into Wednesday expecting, the, you know, the greatest wrestling What's show. your double or nothing main event? What do you think it's going to be? I mean, I think MJF Hangman is is feasible. Um, but I'm not sure they go there yet. I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. I could see them. I could certainly see them putting Kenny Omega back into that spot, just sort of having him feel like kind of run the Danielson gimmick that I was just talking about at the beginning of the show. Like, what do I have left to prove? Okay, I got, you know, I got one more run in me, sort of. Um, I don't know. It's tough. It's because they have a sort of unlimited arsenal of dream matches. Um, and now MJF has entered the conversation as like someone who is, you know, who for whom you're imagining dream matches. Um, it, it, it could be, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, the, 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 
I hear cult of personality in my the back of my well, mind. Okay. Well, okay, we didn't even okay. talk I about mean, this. It, it, Despite the immediately upon winning, he scream MJF screams, "I'm the best wrestler in the world!" into the camera, and then did his post match press conference, uh, like very clearly referencing CM Punk. He had the bloody face, the white towel around his neck, and the uh, the, the food that he was promoting. Um, a reference to Punk doing the same thing um, in his last press conference. Uh, I, I mean. Yeah, it could just be MJF, you know, working the marks or whatever. But like, it's a it it does it, it it does feel like the sort of inklings that we've gotten that Punk might not be totally done with AEW are starting to build into, if not a conventional wisdom, a sort of you know earworm that you can't stop singing to yourself. What do you think? I think it's eighty twenty that he's AEW. I think Vince coming back. Well, I think it's more like AEW or actually done for now with the wrestling thing. I don't think he's done with wrestling. I think he's more like, I mean, if it's not AEW, I think it's New Japan or something, but I don't think he's done with Well, not even, I guess it's not even that. It's it's AEW. Is he, is he still employed by AEW or did he get fired or is he firmly done because of what happened at, at All Out? I think yeah, he's going to be yeah. back. I think, to, I think. They they know that that's too much money on the table, and eventually they're just going to work it out. I mean, you know, Bill Dundee pulled a knife on Wolfie D, and then three months later they were running a program. It's wrestling. You get over some shit, right? I'm glad they've if, gotten both Dundees referenced in this podcast. I, oh, yeah, and Wolfie D, I, oh, both members of PG-13. This is why I. This is what I do when I come on these shows. But look, honestly, David. If Bruiser Brody survived the stabbing, the the main of the Puerto Rico main event well, yeah. of, the, of, well, yeah. of the WWC anniversary show that year would have been Brody and Vader one. I even if he barely survived, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's wrestling. They threw a couple punches at each other. Grow yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's my thought of that. Go ahead and make money and, and do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's right. It's it's true. Um listen. Uh, it, it was a. It would be an amazing thing if he came back. And I think at this point, like I said, can we grandfather CM Punk into my what I said before about if if you if there's any in, intimation that you might be done with AEW, that just means you're going to be main eventing in AEW in two months. Uh, yeah. Maybe so. Grandfather maybe so. Um. Uh, it it would be it would really be. I mean, I don't as big as CM Punk's return to wrestling was in AEW, and really, it's hard to. I mean, it, that's we've almost forgotten that moment over the past couple of years with the rest of the stuff that's happened with CM Punk. But I mean, his if he returned again, it would be an even bigger deal. I mean, it would it would be absolutely nuts if they can pull it off in a surprising way. Um. But the way that they book, I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like it's more likely that we have. It's more likely that it's like MJF hangman and then CM Punk comes out at the end or something like that and stares them both down or so, you know, it, it, it feels it, it feels like if he's coming back, it might be more of a long term move. But we'll see. I would love for that to be the case. It does seem like MJF wants it. Uh, and, um, you know. I just hope that if he's not coming back, that's not all that we're talking about between now and then. There was a wild, a wild a stray CM Punk chant last night, at least once. Um, and, you know, I don't want to get back into that world where we're just chanting for a dude who's like, cool to be on his couch, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah agreed. Um, 
But and but that I mean uh, nobody was chanting that at the end of that match. So I'll tell you oh, that much. Those guys, no. those guys sucked in that crowd. I mean, that was one of the louder AEW crowds too. It was a long show, but for a long, you know, it's AEW pay per views always run really long. But it was not. I wouldn't complain for a second about the length on this one because there were fewer matches, and the matches that were long felt like they earned every minute. You know, the last, the main event. Yeah, in particular. it didn't feel as punishing as some of these AEW pay per views do. Where at the end of it, you're like, oh my! I mean, I was, I was up very late last night. But at uh, the, it, you know, at the, it, but it listen, didn't feel as much like a like a mare, like a, I was trudging through the desert to get to. The, not every pay per view needs to be WrestleMania, where you put all your stars for the the past year and the and the next year on the card just to, so they had so they can check a box. They even though you have fewer pay per views in the competition, AEW has to be more discerning with this stuff because you have to because they are a narrative in and of themselves, and you have to be able to come out of a pay per view saying these are the things that are going to matter on Wednesday. These are the things that are going to matter a month from now. Like you're looking forward to stuff, and if there's too much stuff that cram too many other matches on there, then it all it becomes a muddle, like you said, it becomes blurry. And I don't think I could have used one more pre-show match. It felt like one pre-show match, and then Do they have and pre-show. They, like, were they officially pre-show matches, or have they done away with that conceit? This is their all main card. Well, now, they had right? they had Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers versus. Oh, they did. Uh, oh, they did. Versus uh, Davari, uh, Woods, and uh, Tony Nese. Okay. Okay. So they had one, and then it was a lot of RJ City. And it felt like, ah, I could have had 20% less RJ City mm-hmm. in like one more match. You know sure. what I mean? Like, That's a quibble. But, uh, but that was my only. That was only that was, uh, if you you can one, never if give me too much RJ City. The pay per view is not enough wrestling on the pre show, too much RJ City. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're not going to hear me complaining about RJ City content. Um, anyway, I think that, like I said, we the the structure of the night was really great, and we came out with a. We, I mean, it, it the entire show, as long as it was, had a freaking message. You know, it had a it had a coherent internal story, which is this next generation is getting it shot now, and it's time for them all to shine. And I hope to God they'll all get the, they'll all you know grab that brass ring and go for it because. Um, you know, the talk about CM Punk, the talk about uh, the elite leaving, whatever. I mean, AEW's gotten really lucky with some of their free agent signings and everything over the past couple of years that, you know, Malachi Black was one of those two. But, you know, to, to sustain, to, to be able to, to be able to weather the storm of the Cody Rhodes leaving the company, like it's going to happen to them or any other company, they have to keep building these young guys. They have to have internal growth that is impossible to look away from and i think tonight was a great step in that direction yeah and here's the thing they're not all going to make it but they're not it seems like all of them are going to have a chance to Mm -hmm. right and so if 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 they don't all make it it's not going to be because they got their knees cut out from under them exactly it's like the same way that cody's cody's arrival a year ago in wwe was a message to potential free agents out there that like look you might be wrestling for the competition, but we'll make you into a superstar. AEW sent a similar message, if kind of a different stage and career message last night, which is we don't forget about people. If I if we tell you that we're going to put you over, we'll get there. You know, like just just hang on. We, like we we it, it's it's all meaningful. Um, and, you know, it makes you hopeful for the future. It makes you excited to watch on Wednesday. Anyway. um. Brian, what do you, what's your overall rating for the show? I'm going to put him on the spot. <laughs> I would say, I would say B plus. How is that not, not an A? How is that not at least an A? 
Brian Brian woke up on Brian, the hair side of the bed Brian's this morning. Sophomore <laughs> honors English course as a high school teacher. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, we just said it had the best match in the promotion's history in the main event, right? That doesn't get an A? Goodness. <laughs> it started off like going high, then it kind of came down. I get it. They had to bring me down so they could take me for a ride. So, but uh, you know what? Actually, A minus, A minus. Because uh, that's know, still a fa- that's that's still too close to a failing grade for my taste. That was it. That, <laughs> there's no way, man. I enjoyed every moment of that show before, just about every moment of the show before the main event and that main event. I mean, whatever. That was the. I guess it's it, the women's match. I could have. I felt like I could have. They had the moment more. at the end that was sort of fun and interesting. They all got to do. They all just kind of serve a purpose. It got yeah. you comfortably to the end, and the end was just like you know. The extra credit assignment that like you're getting an A plus no matter what you did the rest of the assignment or the rest of the semester, <laughs> and we're gonna keep on the school metaphor or whatever. Phil, what, what do you? What was your overall overall rating? I mean, it's a straight A, right? I don't know if it's an A. I, maybe I'll save the A plus for uh, for for some of the you for know CM Punk's return, some yeah, room to it. improve on. But you know, because that's the thing. It's like yeah, there was some moments in the undercard that didn't completely, but you know the end of the day that's not what you're that's not what you're gonna remember right like you know what i mean like what was the what was the what was on the undercard of uh of uh austin hart i mean some some stuff that wasn't that great but you're not gonna still remember that pay-per-view for austin hart not whatever the you know whatever uh i don't know the road dog was doing on that show or you know what i mean so yeah like the women's match was 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 okay but that main event was was you know (laughs) they they put it all together and delivered way more than you expected because so I got him straight It was awesome. All right, Phil, who's in your matches of the week this week? Uh so uh I, I wrote about um the three-way women's match from the AEW. <laughs> um so I wrote a lot about MJF uh Brian Daniels and hopefully a very well, very late at night. So hopefully it's at least coherent or coherent enough that Cal can make it coherent. And then I wrote about um uh uh speedball Mike Bailey Timothy Thatcher from West Coast Pro, which, oh, was, yeah. which was really cool and a lot of fun. And I wrote about Carmelo Hayes, Tyler Bate from NXT. So uh, uh, you get a you get a like an a, the appetizer of those two. And then I went, then I let my fingers run wild on that main event because I, you know, just it was uh, transcendent stuff. Everybody check out that column on the ringer.com. Thank you, Phil, for hanging out today. Thank you, of course, to Kaz, who's always here. I'm not gonna try to do his plugs. He got enough in. Um, thanks, Brian, for being here, as always, on Mask Mondays. Uh, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode of the Mask Man Show. Kaz will be back, hopefully, from the beginning. And uh, we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm sure you can find me here. You can find me on the Press Box. You can find me on the Book of Wrestling. Be sure to listen to all of the amazing shows on the Ringer Wrestling Show feed. Um, apologies, as always, to John Moxley. I hope you get your vacation someday, man. We'll see you back here on Thursday, Humanoids. Humanoids.